Get off my grass! Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Old Man's Podcast, where we are going to solve the riddle, why haven't I ever heard a story about the wise young man? There's some good reasons for that, mostly because when you think of wise, you put the word old with it. So this podcast is known as the Old Man's Podcast, but think of it as a wise old man's podcast. Let me tell you guys, it's not because I'm smarter than you or anyone else for that matter. It's just that I've seen a lot. So much has been taught to me from the kids that I coach, the kids that I teach, the parents and colleagues that I run into. A life rich in experiences, all given to me, none of which I deserved. Believe me, I did not deserve the richness of this existence that I've had. But so much wisdom has come to me because of that blessing I gotta pass it on. If I don't, that would really be sinful. So what are we gonna talk about on this episode of the Old Man's Podcast? I'm gonna continue a conversation I had from the last episode on what's on my mind about leadership traits. I'm gonna talk about another. In this trait, appreciation is a key word. Another segment on things that I remember this would maybe be more things I'd like to forget. You'll have to listen to this one. It's coming. Don't worry. Of course, there's going to be a pep talk. And I'm staying on a topic from last week again. The adventure that is life. This one, I'm going to talk about where our adventures might come from. We're going to play Engage Your Brain because that's very important. I never want to forget that. And of course, a funny thing happened to me. And this one is not a ha-ha funny. It's a holy cow, I can't believe this happened to you funny. Well, you're going to laugh. And I don't blame you. You can laugh at my pain. I hope that's enough tease to keep you involved. Don't go away. Here comes the Old Man's Podcast. All right, what's on the old man's mind this episode? The answer is I'm going to stay with the topic that I started last week. It's something that I'm really interested in. I have been all my life. Observations on what makes for effective leadership. Of course, any leader or anyone who wants to be a leader is going to understand the importance of people. From the point of view of the leader, you have to keep in mind that these people that are going to make your organization work make you look and become the effective leader that you want to be, they're going to make you look good. You need to know who they are and you need to recognize them. I had been a leader, I guess, by happenstance most of my life. It wasn't something I went looking for. I was appointed, even going all the way back to sixth grade, the captain of the patrol boys. I don't know why. I just happened. I can't believe that I was that much different from anybody else. But these things just kept happening to me. Junior year of high school, I was a class president. Senior year, I was the president of the student body. I had always been a team captain for the different sports that I played, more often than not. Not always, but more often than not. It's just something that came my way. 
I had a third grade teacher, Mrs. Brown, that said I could talk my way out of anything. So maybe that's it. The uh, gift of gab. Well, whatever it is, leadership is something that I've always been interested in. And now that I'm no longer needing to be a leader, I'm retired, remember? The only thing I got to do is lead my way out of bed every morning. And that's a challenge in itself. Another story, another day. But now that I'm retired, I'm not leading anybody and nobody sure wants to follow me. Let me look back on this 38 years in education. What kind of experiences have I had? After 17 years of coaching various sports and being a program head for the wrestling team, I moved into school administration. And this is where I really began to cut my teeth. A leader of a school as a principal or assistant principal makes a big difference in people's lives. And that's not playing around. You can be a screw off, and I probably was as a high school class president, or, and nobody gets hurt. But if you're messing up a school as a school leader, it hurts a lot of people. So you got to get it right. I hope I did. I'll let other people judge if that was the case or not. But I do want to talk to you about the people that made that happen for me anyway. I came into school administration in the middle of a school year. The previous administrator went ahead and took retirement in December. So come January, I'm stepping into a new role. It was a big surprise. It came hard, it came fast, and I was super lucky. My first school secretary that I had to work with, Mrs. Wagner, and it's hard for me to say secretary. And I know that's not a demeaning term. It shouldn't be. It's a very important term. But she was on par with me, and frankly, at the beginning, for sure, she knew more about what I should be doing than I knew. I didn't even have a clue. So for me to say she worked for me really bothers me. It's not possible to say that. Mrs. Wagner worked with me. She tolerated me, and she taught me everything that I think I know about office management, about efficiency, about getting tasks done and prioritizing. Really, it's a triage of what needs to be done first and what can wait till later. Those are some very important skills for leaders. And Mrs. Wagner, who taught me so much. I was so lucky to have her. Thank you, Mrs. Wagner. As a head coach of a program, you're a leader. And you have to have great assistance. I was very lucky right there with Mr. Larry Hester. Coach Hester took me under his wings when I came in as a third-year educator to be a head coach of a major high school wrestling program. I thought I knew what I was doing, but I really didn't. What he helped me the most with is how to build effective relationships. Well, honesty, that's important. And Larry was always honest, but he was also genuinely empathetic to everybody, to whatever their problems might be, whatever their needs might be. He was always empathetic, no matter what the case, even if he didn't agree with what the person was saying, he could make you feel like he cared. And he wasn't faking it because he did care. Building effective relationships is so important. You know that. That's the first thing in leadership 101 you learn is how to build effective relationships. But dealing with people that you don't want to have a relationship with, that's a real important skill that's often overlooked. 
you're going to have to deal with unpleasant people. You're going to have to deal with the haters, shall we say. How are you going to do that? By genuinely being empathetic. You really have to care about what they think, what they say, and they have to see or at least believe that you do care. You cannot fake that. You cannot fake empathy. It doesn't fly. Don't give it a try. If you're in a conversation with somebody and empathy is being called for and you can't find a way to do it, you got to be honest with them and say, look, I understand that's how you feel, but I could not disagree more. Yes, I'll say it again. Effective relationships makes or breaks many, many leaders. And learning how to deal with people that don't agree with you or maybe are unpleasant, that's an important skill. Larry Hester taught that to me. You have people in your life that can help you develop that skill too if you don't have it. Some people do, and I don't. I am not an effective relationship builder by nature, but somebody taught me how to do it. Now, there's going to be people in your organization that get overlooked a lot. In the field of education, it's our janitorial staff. Maintenance guys, they get overlooked as well, but not as much as the janitorial staff. Maintenance guys, we mostly complain about them because they don't get anything done as fast as we think it should be done. And we're wrong because we really don't know how long it takes to do, install, put up, whatever setup is going to be involved or whatever. We're teachers. We're educators. We're not maintenance people. We don't know. So just shut your mouth. Be quiet. Let them guys get it done. Get out of their way. The janitorial staff, and believe me, janitors and maintenance people, not the same thing. Do not confuse those two. You make one or the other group angry if you do. Whoever it is you're talking about at the time doesn't want to be confused with the others. Your school, your place of business, if it's not a school, is only going to be as good as that support staff is. And oftentimes, that is the weakest link in your organization. If it is, you have to address it right away. You cannot ignore it. When I walk into a school or an office building, that's what I'm looking at. How clean, how welcoming is it? How does it look? Aesthetics matter. And just like last week when I talked about people used to dress up and we don't anymore, and I think that's probably a problem, well, if we start getting super lazy and let our buildings and our facilities crumble and get dirty and dust bunnies everywhere and everything looks horrible, I think it's subliminal, but the people involved in your organization see that it looks like nobody cares and suddenly they stop caring about the work that needs to be getting done. Your support staff has got to care your support staff has got to make your facilities look like everybody cares. And when it looks like they don't care, that's the first turn down a very bad road for an organization towards failure. You have to care, obviously, but you have to look like you care. And anybody walking into those facilities can tell you care by looking at it. On another note, as the leader, you have to show that you care. If you're walking down a hallway and there's trash on the floor or a soda can or a water bottle or something, you walk right by it, somebody's going to see that. And for the people that see that, it'll register subliminally. You don't care enough to pick anything up. Why should they bother? On the flip side, if you're walking down the hall and you see even a gum wrapper and you bend over to pick it up, 
and throw it away or put it in your pocket if there's no trash can around, you've just started something. The rest of your staff, faculty, if you're an educator, they'll start doing that as well. That's another whole side lesson on effective leadership. Maybe we'll roll this one out sometime. Set a good example. So there you are. My thoughts on effective leadership as I got to observe it over almost four decades unfolding for me. I'm sure you've learned some things too. I'm going to post on the community question for this episode, what are some traits of effective leaders that you see in your profession? I'll put it up on social media too, the Old Man's Podcast page, by the way. If you haven't yet found the Old Man's Podcast page on Facebook and liked it, please do that. And then put in your thoughts. What are some traits of effective leaders that you've seen professionally in your time on a job? Social media is a great way to get information out. Of course, I'm using Facebook. I have Instagram. That's going to be the Old Man's Adventures. And I have Twitter, the old man tweet one. Loving my pod page. If you're looking for a a historic record of all the old man's podcast episodes ever made, go to pod page. And then within pod page, look for the old man's podcast and you'll find it. I also got a direct link right there on my old man's podcast page on Facebook. So you can get there too. Now we build relationships on social media. In the olden times, we did it face-to-face. You can still do both. Build effective relationships, and you will be a leader men and women will follow. This is a question mostly for the fellas. Now, I know my demographics, they have a way of charting all that, and about 68% or a little bit more than two-thirds of my listeners are male. That that means the other third are female, uh, except for, it looks like there's two that don't know. I have two um, non-binary individuals. My guess is that's just one of my friends too lazy to check male or female, but who knows? Could be one of them non-binaries. Hey, Welcome. This podcast is for everybody, male, female, or otherwise. Anyway, what I'm about to talk about on the Old Man's I Remember When segment has to do with something that many fellas, uh, I'd almost say every fella, can relate to. I wonder what percentage of my life I have spent sitting in the car waiting for somebody. And I got to be honest. There is no I remember when I didn't have to do that. As long as there's been other people in my life, and I'm just trying to be honest here, people with the female persuasion, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for them to get out of the house, to get in the car, to go wherever we're going. Been waiting in front of the store, holding their purse like a sad sack, waiting for them to get done shopping. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Gentlemen, wouldn't you love a dollar even for every stinking hour you've had to wait for somebody else. Wait for your kids to get out of practice. Wait for your kids to get off the phone so you can leave. Wait, wait, wait. We're always waiting for somebody. Now to be clear, I am not an Uber driver or a taxi driver because then it would make some sense for me to be sitting in the car waiting for somebody. Hey, wait a minute. I might be onto something. 
perhaps I could start charging those that make me wait, like I was an Uber driver. But that's probably not going to work. They owe me so much anyway, they don't even pay me what they owe me at this point. Yeah, fellas, there's nothing we can do about it. We're the guys that are prepared. We're the guys that are organized. We're the ones ready to go when it's time to go. And those that we care about just can't keep up. I've thought maybe it's our fault. It's our fault for waiting. Perhaps if, and I'm not brave enough to try this, if any of you have, please let me know. But what if we just left? Said I'm leaving at three o'clock, and at three o'clock you leave. No matter who's in the car, ready to go. That doesn't really sound like a smart plan. I'm not gonna try it. But if any of you guys out there wanna try it, give it a shot and let me know how it goes. Because I know this much for a fact. Nobody's going to pay me anything for all the time that I've been sitting in the car waiting. All right, everybody, gather around. Time for Coach's Pep Talk. For Pep Talk in this episode, I have a quote from Lois Weiss. That's Weiss spelled W-Y-S-E. You may not have heard of her. Google says she was a prolific advertising executive in the last half century. Well, I don't know who she is, but she did have some, oh, I guess you would say famous slogans under her belt, like the catchphrase, with a name like Smuckers, it has to be good. That was credited to her. So she's got some sense of humor, and she's got some style and some grace. But she had a great quote and I'm going to tell you what that is eventually. Hang on there. First, I want to tie it into what I had talked about in the previous episode, how life is an adventure. Like Helen Keller said, life is an adventure or it's nothing. That is a great goal for our life to make it an adventure. One of the ways that you can do that, as I mentioned last week, is change things up. Try new things, new foods, different hairstyle, different clothes. Yes, change stuff up. For my extension of life needs to be an adventure, today I want to throw in this quote. Here's the quote, and then I'll tie it all together for you. A good friend is a connection to life, a tie to the past, a road to the future. Again, that's Lois Weiss a allegedly prolific advertising executive from the last half century. A good friend is a connection to life, a tie to the past, and a road to the future. Remember last week, talked about switching things up, the new adventures, going new places, doing different things. Well, make new friends. I like this sentiment by Miss Weiss how good friends can connect us to our life, whether it's the past or the future. We all know that's true. Your good friends, my good friends, we're tied to the past with them, and we look to the future, future adventures with them. So if you do feel like your life is in a rut, and again, we talked about this last week, and there needs to be more adventure in your life, that's a place to fast track for more adventure right there make new friends. To do that, you may have to go to some new places, do some different things, join a different club. There's a plethora 
of social clubs out there associated with churches, civic organizations, something that will float your boat you can get involved with. And as a volunteer at wherever, doing whatever, you are going to meet those new people. And just meeting those people and developing those relationships will be an adventure. And it will lead, likely, to more adventures. And your life will feel adventurous. It's really important to me to point out that her words here, I don't see them pushing us to see our friendships as just fleeting two ships passing in the night, but really as beacons of stability, beacons of joy amid all of the tumultuous changes that can be set on us from life. Your friends, your close relationships, obviously your family, but I'm going beyond that, not really even extended family, but beyond people that aren't related to you. They can be your stability. They can be your joy. So the challenge to us for this week, make some new friends, do some new things, go to some new places, find some new organizations to be involved with as a volunteer even. That's gonna be adventurous, you're gonna meet new people, and you're gonna love your more adventurous life. Yay! Thank you, Sammy. Thank you so much for the applause. That is very kind of you. And here we go. Time to play Engage Your Brain. That once a week activity I like to do on my podcast to remind me and everybody else that we need to regularly do brain engagement activities. All right, first question. How many varieties are there in Heinz tomato ketchup? I did not know this. I should have because the name, the technical name of Heinz ketchup is Heinz 57. And that's because there are 57 varieties of Heinz ketchup. Next one, Monza, M-O-N-Z-A, Monza, and Silverstone are venues for what sport? What sport has competitions at Monza and Silverstone? The answer is... It's car racing. If you said car racing, you're right. Technically, it's Formula One car racing, which is not the same thing as Indy cars, which is not the same thing as stock cars. It's something totally different, but it's still cars going around in circles. Question three. What is the highest grossing holiday movie of all time? This really is kind of tricky. A lot of people would think the highest grossing holiday Christmas movie would be White Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, one of the classics. Are you ready? The highest grossing holiday movie of all time is Home Alone. Next question. Which programming language shares its name with an island in Indonesia? There's a lot of islands in Indonesia. This is a famous one, kind of because of volcano, but also it is a programming language. Are you ready? The answer is Java. All right, last question. Hopefully you're getting five out of five. 
Picasso, the famous painter. What nationality was Picasso? What country was he born in? Picasso was Spanish. The nationality of Picasso, Spain. And there you have it. Five pretty tough questions. I hope you did well. But more importantly, I hope you remember to daily do a brain engagement activity. Well, yes, of course, a funny thing happened to me this past week. This one, though, you're not going to believe me. I don't know, you may never believe the funny things I tell you about that happened to me. And this one, if you don't believe me, I don't think I blame you. I can hardly believe it myself. It is not a funny haha, but if you end up laughing at me, that's okay. I would have done the same thing. So, we're at a football game last Friday. Now, at a high school football game, you're playing that game after dark, so of course the lights are on. We were sitting in the stadium up at the top row of the bleachers, not very far at all from the lights. And that's where things kind of got ugly. There were a lot of bugs flying around in the air. In fact, they were even falling out of the sky, I guess dying in flight. It kind of was like snow almost. There were so many bugs and maybe they were hitting each other. I don't know what they were doing, but they would just flutter down to the ground like a snowflake. Well, not all of them were dead. Lots were dead, but I'm not exaggerating. Thousands of them weren't dead. And I felt one brush up against the side of my head by my ear. So I instinctively went to swat him away. But I think I scared him because, yeah, he crawled into my ear. That's right, a bug crawled into my ear. And I didn't know what was in there, what this bug looked like, how big it was, but I do know what his intentions were to get out right away. He didn't like it in there, whether it was the waxy buildup or all that hair, that dude wanted out of my ear. And I think he figured if he just kept on going, he'd come out the other side. And man, was that painful. I would like to think that he was scratching on my eardrum and felt like he was that deep. It was painful. I was crying like a little girl, stomping my foot, smacking my head, pulling on my ear. I'd got my keys and tried to dig them out. I couldn't put my keys in deep enough to get to them. It was painful. And everybody's looking around at me like, what in the hell is wrong with this guy? What? What is he doing? Is, he, is his hair on fire or something? No, there's a bug in my ear. Crazy, right? Well, I pulled on my earlobe to make the opening as big as I could, hoping that he would see the light. And like in Poltergeist, he'd think, go to the light. And I think maybe that's what happened because he did eventually work his way out of my ear. It seemed like forever. I'm sure it wasn't very long, but it seemed like forever. Once I felt him coming out, I looked downwards to see what was in my ear and there he was on the ground this little black bug he was all messed up all probably covered in wax i'm sorry that's gross but it's probably true he was kind of wobbling around rolling around going in circles and i was angry because i'm thinking what are you doing inviting yourself into any of my orifices 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 i don't know what the plural is but i stomped on him let me just say that 
I smashed him and I smashed him good. That bug will not be going in anybody else's ears ever again. So that's a true story. A funny, maybe ha-ha to you, but not ha-ha to me. There's a funny, painful thing. A bug flew in to my ear. Well, we all know what that sound means. It is time for this old man to go. I certainly appreciate you taking the time to listen to my podcast this week. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. And please come back. For everybody, how about you pass this on? Pass it on to everybody you know. Tell them about the Old Man's Podcast. Tell them about the Old Man's Podcast page on Facebook. Visit that. You can track down every episode of the Old Man's Podcast that has ever been made. Well, check that stuff out. If you got some little time, you're sitting there waiting for a plane in the airport. The Old Man's Podcast is ready for you anytime you're ready for it. I want you guys to be safe out there. Make sure you're living that adventurous life, but you're living it in safe fashion as well. Your goal for this week, right? Make some new friends. Do something different. Do something new that's going to help you develop new relationships. Put that adventure into your life. Come back next week. We'll talk about it again some more. And in the meantime, you need to remember it's important to always live boldly. Get off my grass, damn kids.